Coop, you look a few pounds heavier. I was going to say, you put something on <laughs> as well there, buddy. Well, we will say Thanksgiving did us both well. I mean, she's faithful, folks. She is faithful. But when Thanksgiving comes around, or really any holiday comes around, family comes to town. Yeah, and after that, Santa. But we're not there yet. We're not there. Low-key, we, we are. We are. We I are mean, there. it's past It's Christmas time, yeah. officially. But we're going to Christmas we're time gonna, in the city. We're going to do something about Thanksgiving and yes. talk about it. Next intro. Right. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's here, folks. <laughs> and he's got a list. Uh, but Thanksgiving comes. Family comes from all over into one place wearing masks, distanced, as you know, because, you know, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. COVID's just whatever. Right. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, folks. My mother came into town. Uh-oh. And father. This, and you mean Abby's in-laws? Abby's in-laws. Oh, yes. gosh. <laughs> I hate when the in-laws come. I know. It's the worst. If not married, I wouldn't get it. Anyway, they came into town. And as you know, you and my mom, and I guess me, I'm on your side. We've this. had a tiff. You have a little beef. Yeah. A little beef tiff, as tiff, you will. And I'm not talking about her treats. Tiff no, treats. Not, not talking not, about tiff treats. No sponsor, no but sponsor. I wish. Man, I wish. If we could get a tiff street sponsor... That if you know somebody out there, folks, please. But heavenly. Your mom and I, we've had a, uh, the three of us actually had a text thread back and forth mm-hmm. a little while ago. Remind the listeners about what the TIFF was about. <sighs> she does a toilet paper wrong, folks. right? I mean, I've just. <laughs> and we're not talking crumple or fold. It's just how it's on the little it's toilet paper. It's on the roll backwards. Yeah. She, she allows it to drape down the wall. Yep. So you have to just shove your hand up under to try and grab it. And it's just, it's less than desirable. <laughs> and I'll stand Anytime, by that. Anytime it is less desirable. But so I, she comes over to Abby and I's apartment and I walk into the restroom and I notice something is fundamentally different, but it takes me home. Yeah. It takes me back to my, back to mama's my house. growing up days. Just the nurturing you've experienced. Because my mother, obviously, while she was here, had to use the restroom. Mm-hmm. And Ew, she switched. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just she kidding. switched the toilet paper in our bathroom. How? This is your home, Zach. This is my. You're home. the man of the house here. All I right. pay rent. That's here. right. And so I switch it back. The next day, she comes back. She leaves again. I walk in. Lo and behold, the toilet Low paper is behold. switched again. And I have to reach up the wall just to get a, a, a sliver, or just a slice. But that leads us to an idea you have. That's right, folks. And because Zach and I's mom are just at odds, I think it might be time for me to separate from the podcast mm. and start my own. Yeah. This is bittersweet. Yeah. First I, of all. I want to call it potty humor. <laughs> P-O-D-D-Y, as in podcast humor. Now, what would you talk about on potty humor? Um, it's not really going to be anything bathroom related. I mean, I feel like it makes sense. The first, the pioneer episode would be of me talking about toilet paper, right? Of course, because that's what got me there. Mm. But really, about anything, hot takes, yeah, um, anything. I feel like you can't have a leadership podcast called Potty Humor. <laughs> yeah, it can't be too serious. No, I can't be. No, serious. no, no, no. But I was just thinking, like, this is my moment right. to launch my career, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that way I won't get any more hate mail from your mom. Yeah, because I mean. I don't want to contact the authorities, but there's some cyberbullying. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Miss Don, I'm kidding. Yes, Miss Don, we love you. We Our love mother, you. mother, mom, I love you. Yeah, she's not my in-law. <laughs> no, she's not. But potty humor, I think this could really take off. This Do you could wanna, really send your career somewhere. Would, would you want to join me? I mean, I'm good where I'm at. Just come, come on over, man. I enjoy doing the Next Generation Leader podcast, but if you ever need a guest star to sit on the pot with you on potty humor. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's be clear. We'll have chairs. Oh, oh, it, oh, oh it, Maybe it'll be in a bathroom, but no, but no commodes. The toilet will be closed. I the porcelain do, throne is a sacred area. I do sound best while I'm in the shower. That's singing. true. Same. So, I've heard you. We lived together for four years. I know that vocal cord when I hear it. Thank you. So, I mean, what? let's get... Give an example. Give yeah. me an example of what potty humor would be like. All right. 
Hey guys, welcome to Potty Humor with me, Cooper McCullough, with my often guest, Zach Funderburg. Happy to be here, Coop. Man, it's good to have you on the podcast, Zach. The pod. Cast. I'm going to be honest with you. I just don't know if it's going to take off. Yeah. How about this? Mm. I stay here. That's a great idea. And this idea gets to be shot off into the distance. Welcome to the Next Generation Leader Podcast, where we believe great leaders are listeners, especially during their youth. Good leaders learn from their successes and mistakes, but great leaders learn from the successes and mistakes of those who go before them. I'm your host, Zach Funderburg. Here's my co-host, Coop McCullough, star of the Potty Humor Podcast. <laughs> what an honor. One thing I did think, though, is probably right after the song, before I start talking, there'd be a flush sound effect. Oh, I already, I marked it to oh, do that. okay. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I literally had that idea. Yeah, so Monica will put that flush noise in, but Thanks, while Monica. She does. We have a great episode today. That's exactly right, Zach. And you know what? I'm going to call it. It's your new favorite. (sighs) It is. I know. With my new favorite guest, Nathan Miller. Or me from the Potty Humor (laughs) podcast. I'm just kidding. But you're you're a regular. It's not about me anymore, Zach. Move on. Here we go. This is Nathan Miller from Strata Leadership. He's the CEO of Strata Leadership. They've put together kind of a leadership coaching consulting business where they put character and competence which equals consistency Ooh, is what three all C's. great leaders have. The three C's, character. Similar to the five C's. Yes, We heard course. not too long ago. Yes. Uh, yes, yeah, so of the courage. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, character competence equals consistency. All about mental models. What you believe about yourself is what you are to become. Mm-hmm. And he, he tells a, some really amazing stories about his father and about stuff from his past that he was told, therefore he believed. And mm-hmm. so he wasn't able to become more. And, and in turn, it, it held him back. And so, yeah. I mean, Nathan has a lot of great insights here into to this and into leadership. And I think the mental game is a lot of what leadership is. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of doing, there's a lot of dreaming, but you have to believe in what you're doing. You right. have to believe in where you're going. And, it, and if the leader doesn't believe, the people won't follow. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you have any examples of that. You're, I mean, you're the star of the potty humor podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like there, there's, there's definitely leaders that I've had that I like, they, they, don't communicate the vision in a way where I can buy in right? or they lead in a way that is so emotional that it's hard to trust that what they say is real. Like, say, hey, we're going to do this project. And then next week they're like, hey, actually, I, I'm not feeling anymore. I decided right. to ditch it. So I've, I've been under some poor leadership. My seventh grade soccer coach comes to mind. He just, <laughs> I mean, that guy made me cry on the sidelines. I hope so. he doesn't listen. I'll say he doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah, even, we know he doesn't. He doesn't. He's not, he's not super supportive. Of well, I mean, we, we've all been under those leaders, but – you have opportunities. You right. have uh, maybe I'll have him on the Potty Humor podcast. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you will. But there, he talks about mindsets as well. You either have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. And fixed mindset, you believe where your intellect and talent is just a fixed trait. There's no way to grow. But in your growth mindset, you're you're believing that these brains and talent are just the starting point yeah. that are going to launch you to something greater that you can become. And, and so these mental models are so important for your future leadership preparing to do something great. Right. And so uh, I mean, I want to give it to Nathan. It's a yeah. great interview. Let's let's send it to him. Just let's flush it down out to the him. field. Nathan, <laughs> here he is, Nathan Meller. Well, Doctor Meller, Nathan, it's very good to see you. It's very nice to meet you. I want you just to start by before we even hop in, introducing yourself. Kind of who are you? Where do you do at Strata Leadership? What's y'all's mission, and uh, where are you in life? Well, Strata Leadership is based out of Oklahoma City, and we provide executive development, leadership development, uh, coaching, training, all the things that you do. What makes us a little bit unique is that we um, really focus on 
both character and competence in our programs. And so we work with a little over 1,500 organizations throughout the United States and beyond. And if you love people, leadership development and executive coaching and things like that is just one of those great careers where you really get to serve people well and you get to know them well. And it's something that I really enjoy doing. I love that. So you kind of mentioned in there what y'all's mission is. It's character and competence. As a leader, I just want to go off on this for a second. What, which do you value more and where and how do you know what to value in what situation? Character and competence. You know, we use a really simple model that character plus competence equals consistency. And so if I want to change the consistency of someone's life, uh, the consistency of an organization, I have two main ways to do that. One is through mindset. The other is through skill set. And so both of those are really valuable. So we create them in a, in a format that looks like a pyramid right. because character and competence are not in competition with each other. They're very different ideas. And so if I have someone who is struggling with something at work, I'm looking at is the challenge they're up against a skill-based challenge or is the challenge they're up against more of a mindset-based challenge? Because I can't fix character with competence and I can't fix competence with character. They're really different ideas. And so one of the things I've noticed is that people um, have often considered character to be something that you, you can't learn. You either have it or you don't have it. Right. And the reality is character is something that um, you can learn at any point in your life. And so uh, to me, finding somebody who has great character who doesn't have competence is a problem. Right. And finding someone who has great competence, but no character is a problem. Yeah. So they, they work together. They're two ideas, two things that you need. And when, they, when they're combined, they create consistency. And there's two other actions I wanted to talk to about you, or with you as well. These beliefs and actions. You gave a TED Talk at Pepperdine. I don't know how long ago it was. But if you go on YouTube and, and type in what you must leave behind to go forward, it's a very impactful talk. It's very insightful. But you talk about what the title is, what you must leave behind in order to go forward. And you talk about the relationship between beliefs and actions. Can you kind of start there? What, what's the relationship between those two things? You know, when you look at what someone does, they're telling you something about what they believe because our actions are always connected to our beliefs. So if I'm looking at somebody's life and I want to change what they do, one of the ways to address that is to challenge what they believe. And the way it was taught to me is that we all have this box in the middle of our uh, heads that has a collection of stories. And these stories are the things that we use to be able to make sense of life. And so those stories become really powerful over time. And as you grow older, those stories become more rigid because they have worked for a long time. The issue is, however, Sometimes the stories that we have in our heads are either not true or they're not true anymore. And there has to be a time when we're willing to let go of the things that we've held to in the past to be able to get where we want to go. Mm. So those are what you in the TED Talk call mental models. So what is a mental model and how does that apply and play into leadership? The, the brain is an amazing thing. It, it's 2 to 3% of the overall body weight of most people. Right. It takes up to 20% of the energy use that they will have per day. It is a 
a part of your body that is taking up a lot of energy every day. And therefore, your brain looks for ways to maximize efficiency. One way it does that is through the creation of mental models so that I don't have to um, think everything through fully every time. In, in an academic terms, it might be thought of more as a heuristic. It's the shortcut that your brain uses to be able to make sense of, of a situation. And so we all have these mental models. And, and over time, we use these mental models to not have to assess everything that we are uh, processing. And that gives us a greater sense of um, reality in, in the way that we interact with other people. And so these mental models impact what we believe and then in turn, our beliefs impact what we impact, what we do and in, in our actions. And so you have an incredible story that you tell in, in this TED talk about your dad in a time when you, your dad took him back to the, the place that changed his life. If you don't mind sharing that, because I think it's, it's so important. It plays right into where this mental model is and where you can change, but you have to leave something behind. And what you're really getting at is the idea of the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. And we can talk about that yeah. um, if you'd like. But the, the idea is the stories that we believe either continue to shape us or they hold us back. So a few years ago, uh, I was talking to my dad on the phone. And, and to understand my dad, he's the kind of person that you would love. Mm -hmm. But he is, uh, I always say he's five foot seven in all directions. So he is this big guy, he's powerfully built, and, and he is the, uh, and a, a passionate man right. about life and about everything. And if you met him, you would know he was a football coach pretty, pretty quickly. He's a football coach, he was a teacher, he was a, a preacher. And I loved listening to him preach because he preached like a football coach. You were afraid not to listen. Right. And so it was a great place to grow up. And my dad is one of the heroes in my life. And I, I look at my dad as just someone who was a pace setter. So a few years ago, he called and he said, um, and, and if, again, if you know my dad, he has a, a constant raspy voice because he's damaged his vocal cords over the years. And he called and they were talking and we don't talk a lot on the phone. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, out of nowhere, he said, uh, son, I've got a bucket list item. And in my life, I don't recall a single time when he has ever asked for anything before or since. But he said, I've got a bucket list item. And I said, uh, what are you thinking? And he said, uh, son, uh, I want you and your brother to take me to an Ohio State football game. <laughs> Now, he grew up in Ohio, and he yeah. said, uh, 50 years ago, I got to go to an Ohio State football game, and I want to go back, and I want my boys to take me. I love that. And so the answer to that is, um, yes, sir. Without a doubt. Yeah. So we went to the game, and you know, you'd think with 109,000 seats there, right. that they would have some that were affordable, <laughs> and they do not. There are none that are affordable. So we got these uh, three tickets and, and then we go to the game and it's unbelievably cold. And all three of us know that we're not there for football. Right. Next morning we get up and I said to my dad, hey, dad, would you mind if we go home the long way and go through your hometown? And he grew up in a town called Marietta, Ohio. And so he, uh, he said, yeah, we could do that. And I said, what I'd like to do is to have you kind of show us some places that mean something to you. 
I'm, I think of myself as kind of the family historian and I'm trying to right. capture the stories. And so we um, go to his hometown and my dad grew up in a really tough environment. And he um, has become something that would not be something that you would have thought would have happened. He, he, he took the negativity of his life and used that as a way to propel himself into a new way of thinking. Mm. So we, we pull up to this, um, this school and he points to the school and he said, now that's where my life was changed. Mm. And he, he says, um, you know, <laughs> this is where I went to the sixth grade uh, for the first time. You kind of get what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> and so he, um, he said, and I see that football field over there and he points to it and he said, I scored seven touchdowns in, in one game right there. That's right. He did. And so uh, he's, He's telling us that. And my brother and I, we're, we're quiet. We knew that he had been a big deal athlete, but, you know, and, right. and he, he takes our silence as a skepticism. He's, he, he says it was in the paper and everything. It was in the paper. He gets all, <laughs> it's funny. And then he, and he says, I, I, I was at school and um, I was in what they called back then the slow kids class. Mm. And one day the principal of the school, actually the associate principal of the school came by and he said to my dad, he said, uh, Dave, we've got a new student in school today. His name is Daniel. And Dave, I would like for you to teach Daniel how to read. Mm. And my dad looked at him and he said, I can't do that. And the principal said, well, why not? My dad looked back at him. He's in the sixth grade. And he said, because I'm dumb. Yeah. There well, he was are. told to believe. So here we have this in his head. He has a story. And the principal says this. He says, well, Dave, you may be dumb, but you're not as dumb as Daniel. Right. So teach Daniel how to read. Hmm. Now, I'm taking some notes on the side of my leg over here. I got a little piece of paper and, and I stopped taking notes because when he said that his life had been changed, I thought it was like a, a good thing. Right. And I said, when you said your life was changed, I thought, you, I thought that was a good thing. I said, was that a good? And he laughed. He said, no, it was a good thing. He said, it was on that day. I realized I didn't have to be the smartest person in the world to make a difference. Hmm. I just needed to be a little bit farther down the road than somebody else. But here's the issue. That thought that you don't have what it takes was already in play. Mm. And what I find in a lot of people is a phrase like that, a belief like that, untested like that, or a belief that had been tested, but it has become a, a fact versus a current situation that there are a lot of us who will allow the nine-year-old version, the 14-year-old version, the 20-year-old version of us stay in charge of our lives because of the stories that we believe. Mm. So you fast forward to my dad's life. He goes on to college unexpectedly and struggles and struggles through school, goes on academic probation, then on serious academic probation. And he's struggling because he has a lot of learning disabilities that today would have been caught and managed. Back then, they just thought he wasn't very bright or, or right. maybe, you know, whatever it was. But the reality was he was having to work much harder than everybody else to get a lower grade, really. Hmm. So he fast forward to the uh, coming into his senior year. He's about to finish 
college. He's a semester away and he gets a job offer. So he uh, was already afraid of that last semester. He was afraid of the classes that he was going to have to take. He didn't think he could pass them. Right. And so he drops out of school. He goes to get to the job and he says, well, I'll finish it later. And, and then um, some things happen in life. And then a year passes and another year and then five years. And then he becomes a dad. And now he's got two kids. And before you know it, my brother is about to graduate from college. And when he walks across that stage and gets that diploma, he will be the first person with our family's last name to get a, a diploma. Mm. Big moment. Gets the degree. Then, it, then it's my turn a couple years later, I get my degree and then it's uh, about time to get married. And I decided to get married on graduation weekend, you know, just to make it of easy course. on everybody. Yeah. That makes it so easy. Yeah. So <laughs> and my mom calls up to the university that we had attended, um, my brother and I, which is the same one they had attended. Mm. She calls up there and she, in essence, says, I got my boys through school and now I want to get my man uh, through school. I'm going right. to finish up his last. And she asks, what does he need? And they asked when he'd been there and they said, well, <laughs> those transcripts are in the vault. They're not in the computer. <laughs> so they had to go get the transcript. They call my mother back. And they say, Mrs. Meller, and this is the actual registrar, Mrs. Meller, we found your husband's transcript. And on behalf of the university, I just want to express to you how sorry I am because I was reviewing your husband's transcript and he did not have enough hours to graduate with a degree in kinesiology. Mm. But he did have enough hours to graduate with a degree in general studies. We missed it. Mm. And I'm sorry, but he should have graduated 25 years ago. Wow. Dad comes home from work and anger has been a challenge for him his entire life. And it could go a lot of ways. Mom sits him down, tells him what happened and he wept. So then at my uh, rehearsal dinner, the rehearsal dinner was a surprise attack <laughs> because we had the president of the university in on it. And about halfway through the dinner, the double doors open in the front of the room the music begins and the president of the university walks in in full regalia, the robe, the mace, the medallion around his right. neck. And then he is holding one diploma and my dad doesn't see it coming. Yeah. And so he goes to the front of the room, he stands there and the music's going and he, and he says, I'd like to um, call David Russell Meller to the front. And my dad walks up, gets that diploma. And uh, it's funny because you could see he got that diploma in his hand. You could see him, you know, looking for my brother right. because until that moment, my brother thought that he was the first person in our family to have gotten <laughs> a, uh, a college diploma or a university diploma. Right. And I say that because for 25 years, he had believed he was the kind of person that could not finish school mm. when in reality it had been done the entire time. Right. Sometimes what we believe about ourselves isn't true. Yeah, I think that's so important. And, and a lot of what we believe becomes our reality, kind of like those stories, the stories that you know and you come to believe, and 
that it's hard to shake and it's hard to get out of. And so I want to talk about that, how a leader is able to shift a reality in someone they leave, how they're able to build that growth mindset. You mentioned it at the beginning. What is the difference between the growth mindset and the fixed mindset? And how do leaders enhance the growth mindset into those they lead? Yeah, there's some great work on this done by Dr. Carol Dweck at Stanford. That's the, the person that really began the, the conversation about the right. um, growth versus fixed mindset. And I'm so thankful that she did because working with leaders over the years, I, I saw what she was uh, referencing, but I would not have thought of putting it in the terms that she did. But a growth mindset and a, mix, and a fixed mindset is something that we all have a blend of. It's not that someone has an entirely, uh, you know, it's, it's all growth or all fixed. It's, a, it's right. a blend of the two. But what, you're, you, what you'll find is people with a fixed mindset believe that um, intellect, talent, things like that are simply fixed traits that you either born with it or you're not. And then you spend your, your, your life documenting your intelligence or talent versus developing uh, your, your intelligence or talent because you believe that someone either has it or they don't. Right. And so with a fixed mindset, I think what I have is what I have. And so I only really focus on the things that come easily to me. Mm. And so I focus on the things that get rewarded. So if you can imagine as a, a kid, you know, for me as a dad, if my, one of my kids came in, they had a hundred on the spelling test. And, right. and I look at that and say, wow, a hundred on the spelling test. Yeah. Then I look to them and I say, this, if I said, um, that's amazing. And if I said this, you are so smart. Well, now we begin working with the currency of smart. And so what happens over time is that then my kids are going to only want to do the things that make them look smart. Right. So they don't try things that might make them uncomfortable, which leads to the growth mindset. Hmm. The growth mindset would say that brains and talent are just the starting point. But that when you look at someone with a growth mindset, they tend not to plateau because they look at challenges differently. They look at obstacles differently. They look at challenges and obstacles as something that has to be endured to, on the pathway to mastery. So if I'm dealing with someone with a fixed mindset, I had a student a number of years ago talking to him about what he wanted to do, about to finish up with his MBA. He said, well, I, what I really wanted to do is I wanted to be a petroleum engineer. I said, then why are you not a petroleum engineer? He said, well, you know, it's funny. I went through K through 12 and I never made a B. School was pretty easy for me. Then I went off to college and I went to my first class for my petroleum engineer program. And I walked in and the class was full, 120 people. And I realized really quickly that I was not able to keep pace with them. He said, it just took me about two weeks before I realized I need to change majors. Hmm. He's telling me this, and honestly, it's breaking my heart right. because the issue is that kid was so smart that it actually hurt him because school was not challenging to him mm. through high school. Yeah. And so he didn't learn how to study. So when he got off to college and things became challenging, he translated that as I'm not smart enough versus I'm going to have to work harder to get what I want. So with that growth mindset, people look at a challenging situation and they think, what can I learn from this? They redeem the failure by looking at it as a learning opportunity. Mm. And consequently, they tend not to plateau because they are constantly open to learning. Right. 
And I think it's also important to be open to failure as well and being open and allowing <laughs> that to grow. And it leads to the growth mindset, uh, the growth mindset that you want, because if you're able to push through something that is hard. It gets you much, much further. And that's what you're talking about. You, you tell another story about uh, when your dad, again, went hiking and he finds this shop and they, they tell him to take some things out of his bag in order to mm-hmm. make it lighter. And a lot of times we hit that point and there is something that we have to give up in order to go further. So what it, unpack that a little more. What, mm-hmm. what does it look like and how do we know what we need to take out of our bags to make our load lighter so we can go much, much further than we ever thought possible? Zach, I'm so grateful that you are doing these podcasts. Mm-hmm. The challenge is that every time you have a conversation with someone, a meaningful conversation with someone, you're gaining deeper insights into yourself and into how the world works. And the the challenge for that with leaders is that as you are becoming more and more and more and more aware of what you could be doing, of what you perhaps even should be doing, what you'll find is that your confidence is shaken through the process. Mm. Because the more you know, the more you're aware of, of what you're not doing. And so when I'm dealing with someone who's an emerging leader, the the big challenge for emerging leaders is the identity shift. It's not the skill set shift. It's the identity shift. Mm. They go from being rewarded for being a doer to now being the person who is orchestrating the doing. The more they know, the less confident they, they feel about what they're doing. And so what I find is that there are times in life when you're going to have to recalibrate, give yourself some grace. Be, make peace with the idea that all I can provide is all I have mm. and, and then stop keeping score <laughs> all the time when, when uh, you don't have anything else to offer. And, and so here's the idea. My dad, I love to hike. Right. And so uh, go to national parks a lot and have taken my parents on a few of these. And so my dad started going to some of these national parks and then he said, I, I really enjoy hiking. So he called me again one day and he said, son, uh, I'm thinking about hiking the AT. You ever heard of the AT? Mm. (laughs) I said, the Appalachian Trail? Not a short trail. No, it's 2,160 miles or something like that. Starts in Georgia, ends in Maine. And that's the AT. Well, um, I want to section hike it, Mm. which is where you go for like a week at a time. And I'm concerned about the guy. I mean, he's, he's not been hiking a lot. He's in his 70s. He's not the prototype. And, yeah. and, and I said, well, Dad, do you want me to go with you? And he said, uh, no, I've recruited your uncle who's older than him. And so they're <laughs> going to go and do this. And they do. So they, yeah. they go and they start off. And when you're hiking the AT from the southern point north, there's one spot that you'll go through. It's about 31.6 miles in that actually is the only spot on the entire AT where there is a roof that you will go under. And that place uh, is um, 31.6 miles in. It's this outfitter's store, and it's this place called uh, Crossings. Mm. And so when you you go there, uh, what they have is they're they're world famous for what's called a shakedown. And what they'll do is they'll take your pack, you take everything out of your pack, And they will tell you what you don't need to carry anymore. Mm. Now, the the, the thought here is that (laughs) I believe that that store would not be successful in mile one. 
because you haven't felt enough pain right. to be willing to say that something you put in your pack, you don't want to carry anymore. B or two. <laughs> the uh, other thing would be that every single person who works at uh, this place, this outfitter's shop, all of them except for one has uh, done the entire AT in a through hike. They know what you're going through. So they have a high level of credibility and trust. And they're trying to help you. And here's the thing. When you look at your life, there have to be times when you stop and say, what do I not need to carry anymore to be able to get where I want to go? So if I look at your uh, pack and I say, okay, this is what Zach is carrying around with him. He's carrying around these things that he believed about himself at this time. He's got this, this, and this, these expectations. He's got all this going on. Then I would say to you, Zach, help me here. And I would use what's called the intentional change theory, intentional change theory, ICT, which was really created by a guy named Dr. Richard Boyatzis up at Case Western. And I would say to you, Zach, help me out here. Help me imagine the ideal version of you 15 years from now. Mm. Tell me about the ideal version of you. Now, this is different than the best version of you. Because the best version of you may be in the past. I'm not talking about past tense. I'm talking about uh, future tense. And if I said 15 years from now, Zach, tell me about the ideal version of you if it worked out that way. Ideal version of you professionally. Ideal version of you uh, in your relationships as a husband, maybe as a father. Ideal version of you financially. And I would have you think about this in a positive way. Now, what happens is when you are dreaming with me about your future, it uh, allows a part of the brain to kick in called the positive emotional attractor, the PEA. Now, if I had said to you, Zach, let me tell you what you got to get rid of, because if you don't, you're going to have a really hard time. (laughs) That may be true, but what it does is it it causes another part of the brain to kick in called the negative emotional attractor, the NEA. So if I do it that way and I'm saying you need to stop doing this or you're going to be in trouble, that tends to lead to a short-term change and then you come back to where you've been. But when you are dreaming with me about your future and it's a positive emotional attractor, it is much more likely to stick. But if you don't know where you're wanting to go, you won't know what to say no to. So if I'm looking at what is the pack that you have and you say, I don't need to carry this around anymore, or this around anymore, it's really more about a direction of where do you want to go? And so to have that conversation with you would be to really talk about the length of the journey. How far do you want to go? Right. How, how fast do you want to get there? Because all those things will dictate what you get to carry with you. Mm. Yeah. And it always, it always goes back to the original story. You told your dad teaching Daniel to read. It wasn't that he was the smartest person in the world. It was that he was just a bit further down the trail, just as those people who are unpacking uh, the the packs of the people who come through on the Appalachian trail, they've done it before. They know what they're feeling so they can objectively say, Hey, this is what you need to take out of the bag because it's weighing you down to get to where you want to go. I think it's so important. And even the positivity side too, looking at it from a positive light, instead of constantly being negative, 
and pulling yourself down. I think it's so important. Uh, I love that idea of the growth mindset uh, that pushes people to go further than they ever thought possible. Well, Nathan, I want to ask you just one more question as we wrap up of what advice would you give to your 20 year old self? Looking back, uh, 20 year old Nathan, he's in college. The world is his oyster. What would you tell him? What advice would you give him? You know, uh, my upbringing was a bit different. I, I don't require, I don't, re, I don't remember a time in my childhood growing up that we did not have children living in our home. We were foster, a uh, foster family. And consequent, very consequently, very early on, I, um, realized that, um, what you did, what you said, uh, mattered. And so there was an awareness pretty early on in life that the world is not fair and the world needs people to lead and to, to, to be as courageous as they can be, to be encouragers, to, to love other people. And, and I say that because um, that was an expectation that was pretty early on. And I would say to young leaders is, <laughs> is that you are leaders and you're leaders now. There's not going to be a time in life when somebody comes in and pulls you out of the room and says, hey, you, you, it's now time to go to the, to the big leagues. Here we go. I would say to you that you are a leader now and not to think that I've got to prepare, prepare, prepare for a opportunity to lead someday. You are a leader now and to do the best that you can with where you are but not to think that I've got to uh, wait till I'm this age or this age or this age. What I found when I began leading at a young age is that it's a novelty for a few minutes with people that you come in the room and, and you're young, but then they want to know, can you do this or not? Right. And, and if you are willing to be humble, if you are willing to serve people, leadership opportunities will present themselves to you. And I would say, don't, think this is something that you're in training for later. The world needs you to lead right now. I think it's so important. And you said something in there. I would just want to emphasize, be willing to be humble and be willing to serve. I think that that just propels people's careers so much further than they ever thought possible. But Nathan, thank you so much for your time. This has been incredible. You're an incredible storyteller, by the way. I love it. And it really gets to the heart of people. So thank you so much for your time. It's much appreciated. Zach, it's an honor to be here. I want to say one last thing at that time of life. A guy said to me one time, to me and some other people, he said, have you noticed that humility always connects people and arrogance always separates them? Hmm. And I would say, underlining what you just mentioned, that humility always connects people and arrogance always separates them. Hmm. And as a leader, you can be confident you can be bold and you can be humble but if you're not humble the other two things just kind of feel irritating i mean i couldn't say it better myself that was amazing i love it Um, nathan thank you so much for your time thank you 